What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. You guys are coming in super loud in my ears. So let me figure out a way to turn that down, which seems weird that it's such a problem. Uh, it might be on my end. I was playing some online games with people in the community, so I think I turned up my, uh, doodad. Oh, yeah, if you mess with the doodad, that's gonna cause problems. There we go. I was messing with my volume control, nothing was happening. So I was confused, but... Uh, so what games were you playing, Noah? Huh? So what games were you playing? What do you mean? Said you were playing games with friends. Playing games with friends. What? What said I was playing? You said you were playing online <laughs> games, and that's why your volume was screwed up. Oh. This was like thirty <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> it was the last time you spoke. Oh, I'm playing an online uh, Starfinder campaign. Oh, okay. All right. I still no, don't know I was, what that means, but no, at least for it's some... not your fault anymore. It's basically Dungeons and Dragons, but it's in space. Right. I'm playing a sentient colony of ants. That sounds pretty weird. It's delightful. So good times. How was everybody's week? It was all right. Yeah. Great conversation. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm like, what did I do in the last since the last time we talked? I'm like, oh, nothing too exciting. All my audits are finally done. Oh yeah. Pretty pretty good. We did we I got uh a couple best practices, but no actual findings, so that's about as good as you can get. Right. I don't I don't know what that means. I don't know. I might be moving desks at work if we're talking about work stuff. Are you getting a better desk? It's uh further away from certain people. Oh, so so this is this is either a continuation of like grade school, where you and your friend are making too much of a ruckus, so they had to separate you, or no. Doug has caused problems, and now they have to separate the two people because they don't like each other. Which is it? Okay, over the course of my career, both those things have happened, but that is not this. <laughs> 
Or is this a you requested to be moved because the person who sits next to you listens to Jesus radio all day? First of all, I'm offended by the notion that you think I'd go to work and leave my headphones out long enough to know what my coworkers are listening to. <laughs> I keep my headphones in even if my phone's dead or I have nothing to listen to just so that I don't have to hear it or talk to anybody else. <laughs> I do that too. It's the greatest. Just walking around with them in. <laughs> and then somebody starts talking to you and you point to them like you can't hear them and never take them out. That's correct. I'm more annoyed that I've worked in this building like 14 years and I've worn headphones the entire time and people that have known me for over a decade will still walk up to me just rattling off like talking Yep. and I have to be like, like hold on and then I have to stop I have to pause what I'm listening to I have to go now what were you saying and they have to start over again do you always make a scene out of it because when it happens to me I make a scene out of it yeah, I'm always yeah. Like, I could just like reach over and unplug the headphones from my phone and it, it would automatically pause what I was listening to, but I always make it a bigger deal where I like swipe the phone open and open up the program and hit the pause button while they watch. Yeah. I, and I have to go, hold on, hold on, and I hold up a finger. And then, you stand yeah. up so that other people around the room will know that these people are causing you to be inconvenienced? Because yeah. I, I share an office with one other person, so... Oh. <laughs> and she, she's one of the ones that does it all the time, so... <laughs> Maybe she thinks it's a fun little game you two play. Yeah, she's better than most people. She at least will just say my name and see if I like notice that she had said my name. To which then I will pause and be like, "Yes." Sometimes if she's if she's in a weird mood. It's just let's just start having a conversation right off the bat. And I'm like, we know that's not how this relationship works. Come on. I don't understand why it's so hard for people to respect headphones. Yeah. Can you wear headphones at your work, Noah? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mostly listen to, like, books on tape and stuff. Podcasts. It's mostly podcasts for me. Yeah, yeah Audible's got a thing going on right now that if you listen to three books over three hours before the middle of March... It will give you a $20 Amazon gift card. And I was like, oh, no fuck. I could do that super easy. I mean, I think, I think I've already half done that. Nice. Uh, it was weird. Yeah, I was going to say, the only bad thing about mine is uh, the thing that consumes most of my time are these reports I have to write. And I figured out it's like the only part of my job that I just, I cannot listen to something and do that at the same time. Yeah, sure. I, I sometimes have to do stuff where I have to re actually like read and pay attention to shit. Right, pause, right. Pause whatever I'm listening to. Yeah, I figured out I either it, it messes up one or the other. Either I can hear what I'm listening to and I make a bunch of errors trying to write the thing I'm trying to write, or I do it all accurately and then I realize that I've been listening to my book for 35 minutes and I have no fucking idea what happened. <laughs> That's why podcasts are good, because when you find yourself in that situation, they're usually like an hour long, so you can just not work for the hour, and then when it's done, you can get your work done. <laughs> it's the beauty of a computer job, is as long as you're in your chair, everyone just assumes you're working. Yeah. I just got my big, so, so my work, uh, they're really big on these things that they call rocks, and rocks are like your, your big projects that you kind of work on whenever you don't have your normal job to do 
And they gave me one and they wanted me to clear up what's called a work with persons list, which is it's kind of hard to describe. So it's basically like personal information that is saved specifically for one thing. Like if you do a certain type of transaction, they have to capture personal information in this way. They don't have to get everything every time. Uh, and so they sent it over to me and they were like, we just need you to remove the duplicates. And I was like, Oh, okay. I bet I can do that in a month. Do, do you guys want to guess how many name lines there are in this file? They sent me. 6,000. 6,000 is grossly low. <laughs> 6,001. Three, 376,000 name lines. Is there no way to sort this? Uh, I've, I've got it sorted out, but I have to check them all each individually to see if they're still active. And I started working on it today, and I figured out it. I can get about 50 done in an hour. So I was like, I'm going to be working on this for a real long time. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to take me all year to get done. But you'll get a good quality attaboy when it's all done. And then they'll change their priorities and not use the information you've created for them. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I think it's more like, Four months from now, they're going to ask me how much of it I have done, and I'm going to be like, like a quarter of it, and they're going to be like, mm-hmm, yeah, we think you could get that done faster. My favorite thing is when you're assigned a task at work and you're to do it after your other work is done, and then they come and ask you why that task isn't done, and you're like, well, you specifically told me to do the other stuff first. In Indeed. My last, not this job, but my last job. They would do that all the fucking time. I just make everybody think I'm I'm busy, so then I don't have shit to do after I go. I spend a lot of time on Facebook doing jack shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's delightful. Yeah. So basically, I get paid to be on Facebook for probably like forty percent of my day. I'm pretty busy. My my job, I'm basically, I'm super, super busy for the first half of the month, and then it, like, tapers off. And so usually, depending on how quickly I get everything done the last week, I basically completely run out of work to do. And then I have a full week of sitting at my desk being like, uh, <laughs> I have to pretend like I'm doing something. <laughs> what, what should I pretend like I'm doing? Tetris. Right. I mean, usually what I do is I start working on something that takes a really, really long time, and then I'll, like, pull up a news article and, like, alternate back and forth so it takes even longer. I used to have a job where I could get my entire month's work work done in, like, a day and a half, so I'd have to, like, spread it out on days when my boss was going to be in the same room as me, because it was just awkward to not be working for, like, days at a time when he was sitting at the next desk. Nice. See, this month was a good month. I, I just finished my month's work yesterday, so I only have one day of sitting there trying to fake it. And now I have that other project to work on. Yeah. Why are we talking about work? I don't know. Because you were moving your desk, that's why. Uh, I don't feel like this is my fault. I feel like I'm being... Are you getting... <laughs> real are, you, are you going closer to a window? Uh, I'm moving... Ask. I already had a window seat. I will be moving to a different window seat. Does it have a better view? None of the windows in my building have a good view. <laughs> it's a parking lot or the other parking lot. 
Listen, according to everything I know about Canada, the view out of every window is a pristine, slightly mountainous wilderness. Are you telling me that American TV has lied to me about what Canada looks like? I'm telling you that at least at least one of the movies that we're going to discuss right now was shot in Canada, and they lied to you and said it was New Jersey, and it was really obviously Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, at least don't shoot the famous buildings. <laughs> uh, um, well, speaking of which, why don't we just jump right into them then? Well, uh, that's impossible, considering we've been talking for 20 minutes already. Yeah, I know. Uh, so this week we're talking about two movies that have been written by Shane Black, uh, but not directed by Shane Black. So uh, first up, why don't we talk about Last Boy Scout? And Doug, why don't you tell us all about it? Uh, okay, Last Boy Scout. So Bruce Willis plays a former Secret Service agent turned private detective slash drunk. Uh, he's hired to watch a girl, aka a stripper. Um, she's killed her boyfriend who's a former football player teams up with Bruce Willis to find out why turns out there's a big conspiracy um, about like this they don't call it the NFL but it's essentially NFL trying to get gambling legalized and this girl was going to use the information she knew about that to get her boyfriend a football job Football job meaning game a position as a quarterback in an NFL team, not like not at the ticket booth or anything. Um, that's why she was killed, and none of that matters because it's just an excuse for Tim and Wayans and Bruce Willis to walk around making sarcastic comments at each other and shoot people. Accurate. And Danielle Harris is in it, but she's a little kid, so she doesn't quite look like Danielle Harris yet. So. This movie, I remember when this movie came out, and I remember seeing it and and a lot of people not liking it and me thinking, no, it's okay. I mean, it's just like a generic action movie. It's it's good. And then this time I rewatched it and I was like, oh, no, no, everybody's right. This is not a very good movie. Oh, Oh, I disagree with you completely. Oh, my God. Damon Wayans acting is so fucking bad in this movie. It's like bad to the point of you're like, oh, I get why he never did make that crossover to action movies. Oh, I don't think that. I mean, he goes a little over the top into his comedy mode a few times, but that's just him doing what he was famous for doing. Oh, see, I thought him doing the comedy is fine. It's him trying to deliver like this. This entire movie is nothing but Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis delivering stiff, badly written one-liners from action movies. And I, it's not its not good. And usually see, I, I really no, like that, and it's not good. See, I agree with what you're saying, but you're, you're acting as if they're badly written accidentally. And I'm saying, no, that's what this movie is. It's, they are, like, openly mocking all of the action movies of the 80s by just giving these guys these constant one-liners in ridiculous circumstances where they should not be doing them. And they they know exactly what they're doing. They're having a great time doing it. I, think, I, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. I hadn't seen it since the 90s. And I remember laughing at it then, and I laughed at it now. I suppose. I, I thought the, all the violent parts I like... And to all the parts that's just like Bruce Willis's drunken nightmare of a, of a relationship between his him and his wife and his daughter are pretty interesting. 
and everything else is bad. Like all the dialogue in this movie is bad, really bad. Oh, see, yeah, I think it, this movie is trying to be commando in the sense that it's going right ahead and just leaning into the ridiculousness of action movies at the time. And it's just, I don't see it as bad. I see it as it's almost a satire of action. I, I suppose, but there's movies like The Last Action Hero that do it better, and so I well, think I would rather watch that. If you'd, shown, if you'd shown up the week that we were doing that movie, you'd have a say in whether that's a good movie or not, but you chose to take that week off, so you're also, not allowed to have uh, any opinions on that movie. By the way, also uh, co-written by Shane Black. Which is fine. Like, I, I, Listen, I'm not saying Shane Black is a bad writer, because Shane Black obviously has written a lot of good stuff. I'm saying this sure. movie's bad written. Sure, I just, I just thought it was a nice coincidence that you specifically right. picked that movie. And I'm like, no, it's the same writer. Same co-writer, actually, because I think he's a co-writer on this one as well, isn't he? Oh. Um, I will say it's the first time watch for me, and uh, I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, so, good. Uh... I just I thought the, the script was clever in the way it kind of, like, repeated stuff, and it would bring, say, like, there'd be these little one-liners, and then later they'd come back it's like it's sort of like the uh, I don't know what some of the obvious ones would be like when he's talking to his wife at the beginning of the movie and she wants him to like get angry because she's been cheating on him and he just doesn't seem to care at the end of the movie he kind of repeats the dialogue straight back to her I thought that was clever I thought the the joke where he says if we pull this off I'm going to dance a fucking jig and then this giant action scene <laughs> and then he just starts dancing and you're like oh yeah right he did, he did tell us this was coming <laughs> Because that's kind of a running theme in this movie is the way Bruce Willis's character just tells people what's going to happen and then it immediately happens. And he's like, I fucking told you. <laughs> like, you know, if you punch me, I will kill you. Punch him. He kills the guy. <laughs> well, uh, I fucking told you. <laughs> Shane Black shares a story credit, but he is solely the screenplay, screenplay credit. Okay. I will say this. Great cast as far as henchmen in this movie. <laughs> Yep, like it's it's weird watching this movie where you're like, you know what? I like most of the henchman actors better than I like all the rest of the actors. <laughs> well, the uh, henchmen are the definition of henchmen. They're all just there just to do henchmany things. That like none of them have any character to them whatsoever. <laughs> it's perfect. So while I was watching it. Uh, part of me started thinking, like, why wasn't this just a Die Hard movie? Because his character comes off very just, like, if you get into uh, about the third Die Hard movie, where he's just a grouchy asshole and doesn't fucking care about anything, he's kind of that in the first couple, but by the third one, that's really, like, sort of his take on the character. I feel like yeah. the characters are very similar. But then by the end of the movie, I kind of understood why, because by the by the end of the movie... I don't feel like he redeemed himself at all. Like, he's still just a crotchety asshole. He is still going to act the exact same way he did at the beginning of the movie. And John McClane's a little bit more of a likable character. Um, well, But this did make me wonder why Shane Black was never brought on to do a Die Hard movie, because I feel like he would have been really good. Yeah, I mean, he certainly would have been better than where that series ended up. That's but, uh, sure. 
if I could just lean into your point a little bit, not only uh, not only does Bruce Willis's character not learn any lessons in this movie, what what happens is everybody else learns how to be crazier and more of an <laughs> asshole like him. Like basically, like the Damon Wayans character and the wife character both have to learn to like act more like him in order to be treated with respect and. The implication with the interactions with the mom and daughter at the end is that it's working. Like, she's getting her kid to behave by acting like an asshole like he is. <laughs> so, it's, it's kind of funny in that way. Did you guys think it was weird that they made uh, Taylor uh, Negron basically be, like, the main bad henchman guy? I thought he I was thought he awesome, was great. which I was not yeah. expecting from, from him as an actor. He is he is awesome, but it's just that interesting. He plays a, a menacing, effeminate man in pretty much everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's he's almost like a, the only the only person I can compare it to, and it's the wrong comparison. Is Vincent Price? If that makes sense, that <laughs> it's not completely it's not completely off base, but right, right, because it's the old seventies. Ooh, he's spooky because he might be gay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is what they use those characters for, which is totally fucked up. Like, <laughs> it's pretty fucked up. In this case, it's he's gay and he's articulate. So, right. which are kind of the same thing when you go back to the seventies, but by the nineties, they were two different characteristics. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know why he doesn't get to do this more often, though. Well, because like, he's dead now, but uh, okay. But sure. throughout the night, throughout the '90s, he should have just been doing this in all the action movies because he's great at it. And he's like, he's genuinely intimidating when he wants to be, but he's also kind of just a fun, over-the-top character in other moments. Yeah, yeah he's very cartoony, which makes him thoroughly enjoyable. Like you know, the fucking car comes crashing down the hill and lands in a fucking swimming pool. And then he uh, he just walks out of nowhere, like, showing up again. Just like, what the fuck? How do you fucking kill this guy? Throw him into helicopter blades. Yeah, that was yeah, we, we, one of the best deaths ever. We do, we who, do know Who would have known that his only weakness was being thrown head first into full speed helicopter blades? Uh, well, I hate to break this to you, know, but that, that'll kill a lot of things. It's not just him. I can't, uh, I can't even remember what movie that is where they were like, who could have guessed all this time his only weakness was bullets? That <laughs> uh, yeah. was good. I, I don't even remember what the lame excuse was to get the helicopter in there. But Well, the helicopter was there, was there to try and stop him, right? Because at that point he'd already been trying to shoot that senator sure but i can't remember how it got down close enough to the ground i mean he's way up on the lights in the stadium but usually yeah. like a helicopter wouldn't come in that low but yeah they got some lame excuse it, and then just i think it got tangled in something or some dumb yeah, shit something like that it was it was believable enough it, they were trying oh, to get I'm a good not, angle to shoot him yeah i'm not questioning why i'm just saying it was pretty fantastic like yeah we'll get a we'll get a helicopter come in like super low in this it's football stadium, and uh, we'll chuck a guy off the catwalk, and he'll <laughs> get chopped up in the uh, rotor blades. Why not? It's fantastic. <laughs> I do. I do like the fact that rather than being set in like weird sleazy movie New York, instead it's set in a weird sleazy murder LA. Yeah, mm. 
Sure. It, which where apparently we're just crime just is happens all the time, constantly. <laughs> oh, Movie yeah. starts, guys, guys at a party, football players literally drowning a girl in a fucking hot tub because she won't suck his dick. <laughs> And, and for the record, when you say there's a party going on, this is technically like the morning after the party. It's like because right. the Damon Wayne's character wakes up <laughs> and goes outside and this is happening where guys like now, to be fair, these are supposed to be representative of NFL football players. So one guy's inside doing drugs and the other girl, the guys outside raping a girl. Not that inaccurate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we didn't talk about the opening, uh, the opening scene of this movie, which is interesting. It's like this football scene where it's you know all in the rain and dark and it, it kind of reminds you of like uh some kind of nightmare version of any given sunday <laughs> or something yeah. and uh of course the guy who's under all the pressure gets hopped up on a bunch of drugs and what you think is going to happen is that he's going to get all roid ragey and like hit someone too hard and kill him and instead he just pulls out a pistol and <laughs> runs down the field shooting people <laughs> Which I, I've never checked, but I don't think there's a rule against that. I've never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, what, the point counts. Yeah, they, yeah they, I mean, they tried to, like, yeah, pull something, and he just pulls out the rule book. Like, you show me in the rule book where it says I can't shoot another player. <laughs> and they're like, you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> you, get your six, you get your six points, but you go to jail for the rest of your life, and uh, we'll probably add that rule in now. <laughs> shouldn't be that hard to get that past the other general managers at the meeting it'll be fine lord which that game was not very well lit no i feel like that whole opening scene field i'm just like how is anybody actually watching this football game no that that whole opening scene i feel like was from a different movie and that other movie had like a, a lot of subplots about how these characters are driven to drug use from their excessive pain and injuries and all the pressure of playing under the money and stuff. And then they're just like, yeah, but we hired Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans, so they're just going to say a lot of funny shit at each other. But we already shot that one scene, so we'll just keep that in. It'll be fine. <laughs> this movie's also set in like this weird alternative universe where football has gotten violent and somehow that's turning fans away, as if sports fans don't watch sports specifically to see violence. <laughs> Man, these guys are tackling each other too much. I can't watch this no more. Yeah. I I, I don't think that that's a problem usually. (laughs) You know what? Maybe that explains the actual, like, rising violence in the United States because we all believed that eventually football was going to turn into some kind of mega blood sport. And instead, it's got all these rules about (laughs) not hurting each other. So instead, we're like, you know what? I'm going to go shoot up a mall. Yeah, better do some mass shooting stuff. Set the lack of violence in football. As soon as they started screening guys for concussions, that's it. Now I got to now I got to kill people on the street. <laughs> I was going to say something. I completely forgot what it was. Oh, if we forgot to mention, uh, strippers played by Halle Berry. Yeah, indeed. She's a stripper. So I really, I, I didn't even fucking recognize her. Me neither. I like. I remembered what she looked like because when this movie came out, I was like a teenage boy, so the stripper scenes were very important to me. <laughs> and uh, like, I knew. And then when this credits showed that it was Halle Berry, I'm like, oh shit! Like, I don't remember it being her. It looks totally different. Yeah, not like no nudity or anything, but you know, very scantily right. clad. So, 
That's a, did you guys notice, like, you guys, I don't know how strip clubs work in L.A., but it, she's just a waitress, and then, like, at a certain song, it's just her turn to jump up on stage? <laughs> Is that how it works down there? I don't know. Uh, some that's... strip clubs do that. Yeah. Mm. None I've been to, like, but... You know. I feel like, like, it's kind of a mixed thing because she's working in this such a low level strip club that they the waitresses have to get up on stage and it really seems like a dirty grimy place but it's also where nfl players hang out and she like lives in like a really nice place and drives a fancy car and everything i'm like i don't that doesn't feel right yeah, maybe i'm think, mistaken and i think some of the laws in la is they can't do bottomless and they might have to wear pasties. So I don't even know what the point of going to a strip club would be. Well, I'm not going to have that debate with you here, Brian. There's not a lot of nudity in those strip clubs, so what's even the point? Well, are they even... There's. I mean, now we're getting into semantics, but are they even strip clubs if there's no nudity? Or do we need another, do we need another title for them? Is it just one of those weird clubs from that uh, Jim Carrey movie where there's a phone on the table and you can call the other people at the other table and <laughs> ask them to come over? Table 19. Anyways. We may be on a tangent here. What other parts of the movie did you like? <laughs> I don't want to hear from Noah anymore because he didn't like the movie. I want to hear what you liked about it for the first time watch. Yeah, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy watching the movie. I'm saying... I think that it's not a good movie. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if it was super easy to figure out, like, what the point of everything was. Like you said, it was, uh, they were trying to legalize gambling. And <laughs> I'm sure that's probably right. I just don't remember that. I, for me, it was just some ubiquitous, like, this guy that owns this football team is a gigantic douchebag and wants <laughs> money of some sort. <laughs> Listen, there's a guy who used to be a Secret Service agent who rescued the president, who got betrayed by a psychotic senator who's now working with a drug lord while his wife's cheating on him with his best friend, while his estranged daughter is attempting to get involved. And then his partner in crime is an ex-football player who got caught gambling and doing drugs. And then his son died, apparently, which I'm not sure what that has to do with anything and something else with his cousin, who was another football player. And <laughs> oh, I don't see why you up. guys aren't following this plot. <laughs> there's a there's a lot going on in this movie that doesn't really matter. No. <laughs> I think it's the point. Like I think a lot of that stuff is like probably in different drafts of this movie. There was like a more serious dramatic film, and then there was a full on comedy, and they settled somewhere in the middle, but they didn't take out any of the stuff. <laughs> So there's still like like the stuff with like Damon Wayans' son dying and you get that backstory and it plays into his drug use and all that. In a dramatic film, that stuff all makes sense. In this movie it really doesn't. But and let's, what the hell? Uh, let's they left the, it in. Uh, yeah, let's do the exposition too in a bathroom where he was about to take a bump in Bruce Willis's house and Bruce Willis caught him and was like, Fuck no, get the fuck out. Oh, yeah. There's also a subplot where apparently Bruce Willis's character was actually a big fan of Damon Wayans's character. And the reason why he doesn't like him is because he's mad that he threw away his career. He stopped watching football after that. It's like, what? Did you guys remember the part where he's like, what a a leather pants? 
What, do you, what does that go for? It's like six fifty. Six hundred fifty dollars. They don't have a TV in them or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love that discussion. <laughs> Which, from what I read, was a holdover from the uh, Lethal Weapon script. Okay. Like it, apparently, it's in a deleted scene where Danny Glover's talking about his daughter's prom dress or something and basically says the same thing. Yeah. All right. I think it works better with the leather pants. Yeah. Well, and I think it worked better with these two characters too, because Bruce Willis does feel like he feels a lot older than he is because he's beside the Damon Wayans character. Yeah. That's the great thing about, uh, Bruce Willis's character where he's I mean he's married he lives in a house I mean yeah him and his wife are not getting along to the point that she's cheating on him with his best friend but yeah we just cut to him sleeping in his car with the windows open and kids throw dead squirrels in on top of him <laughs> while he's sleeping it's like, what the fuck? that's that is such a trope though he's like he's this you know law enforcement official who had some trouble he basically got in trouble because he did the right thing and then therefore he's been forced to become a scumbag private detective and drink too much and all that you know it's it's kind of the, the classic tale for one of these guys you're right in other movies he would have had a redemption and he would have become a good guy again by the end of the movie maybe gotten his old job back or something but no yeah, him and his wife are gonna are gonna keep trying, and I think it's gonna go the exact same way it did at the beginning. Yeah. There's, there's no. It's like the only thing that happens is his wife's not gonna cheat on him anymore because the guy she was fucking is dead now. So, <laughs> and she's she's gonna start being mean to the daughter too. Like that's it. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> like that's the life lesson in this movie. <laughs> You should listen to your dad. It's like, whoa, complete, complete personality change. <laughs> Which, by the way, they blow up his best friend's car in front of his house. Yeah. It's like, what? It doesn't seem like a very opportune time to blow up his car, but. Well, there. I think if you pay enough attention, a lot of this stuff makes sense. Like they mentioned that the car was parked in the same spot for like overnight. So yeah. there would have been lots of time for somebody to come and, you know, if somebody was trying to get him, that would have been a good opportunity. And he was left alone and unattended. Sure. Yeah. Apparently the bad guys figured out that he was uh bone and Bruce Willis's wife before Bruce Willis did. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, I assume they were just following him and I, I don't know that it was uh I don't know that they knew it was Bruce Willis's house. Well, I love that, uh, that, okay, so Bruce Willis's wife and his best friend are having an affair, and they apparently don't care enough to hide it that he literally just parks outside of their house overnight. He's like, eh, what are you going to do? Well, they thought Bruce Willis's character was going to be gone, right? He's out of town on a case. Yeah, but still. I would maybe, like, park around the block or something. Just, you know. Is, it, is this what you do when you're having your illicit affairs? You park around the block? I'm just saying I would think it out a little bit more. So this I guy know. deserved to get blown up. 
They definitely went out of their way to make that guy a scumbag so that when he gets blown up, you're not going to feel bad for him at all. He's talking about his finger scale and everything, and you're just like, what the fuck? Who talks this way? <laughs> and he gets blown up, and you're like, yeah, you had that coming. Yeah, fuck you. You just got punched in the stomach. You deserved it. <laughs> I, love, I like whenever he's, he does the whole who's in the closet, and she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I'm a fucking detective. Who's <laughs> in the closet? <laughs> It is funny, but when he walks through it, too, it's just like, oh, yeah, all that stuff's really obvious. <laughs> I did yeah. think that that, like, if, you tell me, if, you're, if we're talking about this, since this is our Shane Black episode, we're talking about the script, like, I think those details, though, go a long way to show that, yeah, okay, he's this drunk guy who sleeps in his car and, you know, makes jokes about whether he may or may not have fucked a squirrel to death, but he is competent right from the get-go. Like, you know, I mean, he's even even though he's hung over his shit and, he, and he's, you know, all messed up, he's still observant and he's able to piece together things really quickly. And, you know, and he also doesn't take shit from anybody. We establish his character very well in these opening scenes. And you guys yes. neither agree nor disagree. No, I do. I was just, <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, he's very competent and uh, he didn't lose his job because he was bad at it. Just. He had a uh, run-in with a... What was that guy supposed to be at the time? Just It's not really clear what he was yeah. at the time. He's a senator. He's a senator at the time of the movie, but in the flashbacks, I'm not sure if he was already a senator yeah. or what. But he just likes to take women into his bathroom and whip the shit out of them, apparently. Evidently, yep. It's like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, it was a weird scene, because you'd think, like, the obvious thing to do would be for him to be like forcing himself on a girl or something not just yeah. having her tied up in a shower which is like he's beating her and i'm just like ah. some weird serial yeah. killer shit there yeah yeah it seems like you could easily just do oh yeah he's getting up on her and she doesn't want it so bruce willis punches him in the mouth instead no yeah tied up in the bathroom to the shower rock shower curtain rod and uh whipping her with a belt it's like what the fuck I mean, I, su- I suppose it's like the rest of the movie, though. Everything in this movie's like uh, if you take a action movie and then ratchet it up to the yeah. next logical level of a cartoon. Like, sure. Fair enough. I mean, because it really is that way with everything, you know. Whatever the guy's punching him, he doesn't just punch him back. He punches his nose into his brain, you know, like... <laughs> Touch me again, I'll kill you. Right. You don't just throw the you don't just throw the guy off the scaffolding, you throw the guy off the scaffolding into the fucking helicopter blades. You're damn right you do. I love this movie. I'm just gonna flat out say it. Like I all of the stuff you're saying to me sounds great and when I watch the movie it all works completely. And I, I just yeah, one of the whole reasons I even put this episode together is because I wanted to watch this. I wanted an excuse to watch this movie because I had never seen it before. And I wasn't, like, avoiding it. It's just I just never really had an opportunity to sit down and watch it. So at the very least, I'm just happy. Happy that I finally got to see it. I thought it was fantastic and a lot of fun. Apparently Noah's a big downer. Yeah, I can't figure out what Noah doesn't like about this. You keep saying it's not good, but everything you say sounds great. So. No. I like, I like, like I said, at any point in the movie where they're not talking, it's great. 
all the all the talking, all the words are bad. <laughs> There's a lot of words spoken in this there movie. Are all, that's what I'm saying. That's the reason why I'm negative on this film. If you just took all those words out, all those uh, fucking – and like I said, normally I like the one-liner stuff. And these, they're just – it's not fucking funny. It's not funny and it's not delivered well. So I, I guess know. so I guess when we talk about the next movie we'll find out if maybe you just don't like Shane Black. Maybe. Suspense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh do we have anything else before we move on? No. Remember, the part, remember the part where the daughter put a, a gun in her puppet and handed it to her dad? <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty fantastic. That's it. That's, I don't really have a lot to add to it. It's just that was awesome. <laughs> and that was a good excuse to have the daughter be in the uh, in the rest of the movie because now she, no, that's how she got kidnapped by Milo. Yeah, I did spend time like, what the fuck is up with this puppet bullshit? And then it finally <laughs> pays off, and I'm like, oh, okay. See, what's great about that is once you once you've seen the movie, then you're not what's going on with this puppet. You're just it's all the anticipation of like I can see what's coming here, and I really want it to happen. For being a child, that girl is way too comfortable with all the people dying. <laughs> Have you guys noticed? She doesn't even get upset about it. <laughs> She's she like, already oh, survived Halloween 4 people. and 5 at this point. So. Yeah. She's like, I faced off against Michael Myers twice. I ain't got to worry about it. Good times. Yep. Uh, all right. So moving on, the uh, next movie is uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight, written by Shane Black, directed by Rennie Harlan, starring Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. Um, so you don't, what you've just done there is you've given a brief outline, which is also the plot description and your review of the movie, I assume, because this movie is exactly... <laughs> what you just described <laughs> like people don't need to watch it now they already know everything about it <laughs> just by who wrote it and who directed it and who stars in it yeah. alright um, well I'm going to get a little bit deeper uh, do you feel uh, like we need to have a spoiler section or what does no, everybody think I think, it's, I think it's old enough that if people haven't seen it they can eat All shit right. Right. Well, I hadn't seen it until a few days ago, but that's fine, Noah. <laughs> eat shit, Doug. <laughs> well, guess, guess what? You don't have to eat shit, Doug. You, you made it Not just in under the mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so we're introduced to Samantha, played by Gina Davis, who tells us in a voiceover that apparently she has amnesia. She washed up on a beach beach eight years ago. No memory of who she is. Uh, she has a kid, she's in a relationship with somebody, uh, gets into a car accident while being groped by an old guy. And, uh, that seems to start her, she like flies out the windshield too. It was a pretty gnarly car accident. Uh, seems like after that she starts having memories that start resurfacing and, at the exact same time, she was in uh, some Christmas parade because it's a Shane Black movie, so of course it's set at Christmas. Um, and somebody in jail saw her in it, knows who she is, goes to their house to kill her, and suddenly uh, 
she's uh, killing people. And Samuel Jackson shows up because he's a private detective that they had hired at one time to try to track down who she was. So him and her kind of go try to figure figure all this shit out. And, of course, we find out that she used to be a spy for the government and kill people. And now the government is trying to silence her by killing her before they do some big... Uh, Big explodey thing that apparently will justify them upping their budget for the next quarter. Because I'm sure one it's it's about budgets. To use a loose metaphor, so there's G.I. Joe and Cobra, and she was part of G.I. Joe, and while her memories were gone, apparently they defunded G.I. Joe and just hired all the people from Cobra to be the new G.I. Joe. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, basically, and, yeah. And so, yeah, tons of action. Uh, Samuel, Hudge- Samuel L. Jackson has some pretty fantastic one-liners, and uh, shit blows up. So, Doug, I know it's the first time watch. What did you think about Long Kiss Goodnight? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I, I'm i not a huge fan of the way Rennie Harlan does action in this type of movie. Sure. I find it like a little over the top for me. Which, like, it works really well in some of his other movies. Like, in Deep Blue Sea, I love the way he does his action scenes in that because it's supposed to be over the top and ridiculous. Um, doesn't work as well for me in these more, slightly more serious movies. I won't call it a serious movie, but but it, it didn't ruin it for me or anything. It's kind of what you expect. Like I say, it's exactly what you expect if you talk about a Shane Black movie directed by Rennie Harlan that came out in the '90s and stars these people. Like, <laughs> I, I knew I knew what I was getting into, and I wasn't disappointed. Uh, you know, I, I think, like I say, I think if you hear that description, and you're going to know whether you're going to like this movie or not before you watch it. So, I expected to find it pretty good, and I found it to be pretty good. What about you, Noah? Moment of truth. We find out if you actually like Shane Black movies or not. So I would say I'm mostly positive on it. There's a gnarly, there's a gnarly speed bump in the middle of the movie where I was like, God damn it. Now I'm going to hate the rest of this movie. But then it came back around. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that was pretty much, uh, pretty much. So when the, um, why is why is my brain not working? Gina Davis is that her name? Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, <laughs> my, I, I, I for some reason I was wanting to say Samantha Davis, and I was like, that's not her name. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, character's name is Samantha slash Charlie. Right, right. Yeah, they blended together in my head. So that's the thing. So the Samantha character I like, and I like all the stuff of her. The, the slow unveil of her killer side and like you kind of get to that precipice of when she's tied to the water wheel and they're torturing her and she's going to fucking kill the shit out of that dude and she starts talking shit as they're torturing her and you're like yeah but then immediately after that when she cuts her hair and goes blonde and goes full Charlie I fucking lose all interest in that character all of a sudden I'm like well now she's just fucking obnoxious I don't like her at all fuck this <laughs> like I don't want to watch this fucking character. Fuck that character. I hope she dies. Like, <laughs> uh, so Noah, she, she, Noah's extreme. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, but so then she comes around back by, back around by the end for you. 
Yeah, yeah. Once, once, like, uh, I think once it gets to the point where her and, like, the daughter are locked in the freezer and that character starts to, like, have any type of emotional yeah. <laughs> fucking weight to them again. Because she basically, she basically goes from being, like, a living, breathing character to being a stupid robot character and then goes back to being a, <laughs> a character with actual investment in it. Does well, that yeah, make but sense? I mean, uh... I mean, that's that's her arc, right? Like she theoretically, she was this like stone cold killer in her past life. She's now this like loving mother character. And when she she reverts back to the stone cold killer, but realizes that that's not who she is anymore. Right. Like I said, what you're you're describing is a character arc and you're just saying the part of the character arc where you. In the middle, you just didn't like it. Yeah, there is a specific part of the character arc that I do not like to the point of it makes the movie not enjoyable to watch for about 20 minutes. I think what my takeaway from that was I didn't feel as strongly as she did about any of this, but I thought great performance. Like she really does feel like she's playing a completely different character and all she really does is dye her hair. You know, and the rest of it's all on the actress to behave completely differently. And I think she does a really good job of that. And yeah. I, yeah, I was going to agree. And then I do feel like by the end, she very much is a mixture of the two characters. Yeah. Right. Like that, right. that performance is better than this movie deserves. I think like it's, I also, I also think that, so the difference between this one and the last movie is this, this one also has a ton of one liner jokes in it and stuff, but they all feel earned. Does that make sense? Because they're written in a way that, like, they're delivered at a good moment in a, in a way that it's like, ha, ah, where the last movie is one-liner, 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 one-liner. Well, I would argue that's totally up to Samuel Jackson. He Well, even Gina Davis has them. Sure. But I just feel like his are just so, like, like I looked on IMDb, and I'm so sad that Samuel Jackson's never worked on another movie that, Shane Black wrote because I feel like these two need to like get together because all of his stuff was so fantastic and it may just be this character. Maybe if they worked on something else, it wouldn't be as good, but the uh, part, the part where you think he's dead and that car comes flying out of nowhere and hits that guy. He just goes, you can't kill me. Motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's so good. Absolutely. And the chefs, the chefs do that line is pretty fucking good too. Especially the second time she does it, where she fucking (laughs) busts that thing over that dude's head and snaps his neck, and she's like, "Chefs do." (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, good. I'll tell you another thing they do in this movie that kind of throws you for a loop is so Gina Davis. Not normally on the scale of like hot. She's kind of that other quirky, yeah. uh, likable thing that she does. And in this movie, a couple times you're like, "No, Gina Davis kind of hot." <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird feeling. <laughs> no, I'd agree with that. Yeah, no, it's strangely what you just said is accurate. Um. I don't really know why, because she still looks like herself through most of the most of the movie, other than when she dyes her hair. 
I mean, really, at the beginning of the movie, she looks exactly like she does in Beetlejuice, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> same hairstyle and everything. They were like, no, you're playing the same character, but... This is a prequel. She was, secret, she was secretly an assassin. <laughs> well, she looks like that in most other things. Trying to think of like what else I know her from, where she's looked different. And... Uh, the fly, she looks very similar. Yeah. Uh, Earth girls are easy. Similar, yeah. I'm just trying to do my. I'm trying to do the without reverting to IMDb because that's too much work. I'm trying to remember everything she's ever been in and what she looked like in it. I guess she had straight hair in that baseball movie. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> That's what I can remember off the top of my she head. Looks, she, she looks weird now. Her head changed shape? I don't even know how that's possible. God damn it. I guess I'm Googling Gina Davis now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> she, looks, she looks different. Like, so so I, different it would be difficult to recognize her, it seems like. Well, she's aged. And with that, some... Whoa, whoa, whoa. She settling got older as time passed? Yes. That's what you're telling me. She's <laughs> Some yep. settling has happened, maybe, in her facial features, which is yeah, going to happen yeah, but, no. but her face looks like it changed shape. Like, that's, that's such a... It's flatter and wider. Like, it doesn't... <laughs> yeah, you know, dude, that's just, that's just what don't women mutate look like when they get older. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> There's lots of people who got older and no. they kind of look like themselves. No, it's because what what's happened here is this is what happens to a Hollywood star who does not get plastic surgery. She's just the only one you've ever seen. Ah, that makes sense. <laughs> That's what's going on here. She's just the only, she's just the only one in Hollywood that did not go out and get plastic surgery. So, uh, yeah, like she definitely looks like a lot older and. I googled Gina Davis 2020. She looks much older now than she did in the 90s, but I think that's for good reason. I don't think that's on her. Oh, I see you say that, but I found one that says Gina Davis plastic surgery before and after pictures 2020. No, maybe maybe she had plastic surgery sometime in the last three weeks, and we're both right. Yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't she's, matter at all. She's hot in this movie, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any other favorite parts, Doug? Um, uh, you know, the, the stupid thing from the trailer of the movie that I remember that is in the movie where they're falling and he, they shoot the ice so that they fall through it. Yeah. That's really fun for me for some reason. I don't know why I find that so enjoyable to watch, but I'm like, that's so clever because they wouldn't have gone. I mean, the ice doesn't look that thick. They probably could have just gotten through it anyway. But yeah. It probably uh, would have hurt a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the... Like as far as an action moment goes, like I, I did like some of Sam Jackson's one-liners. I kind of liked at the end when he was on Larry King. I, for some reason, that made me laugh out loud. <laughs> I think it was just the swearing on Larry King and the fact that Larry King is there playing himself and just acting all normal. <laughs> and he's swearing at him and they're beeping it out. For some reason, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah and this total dad joke, because I'm very frank, the- and, frank and earnest with women. In New York, I'm frank, and in Chicago, I'm earnest. Right. And then he just cracks himself up. He thinks that's like the best joke ever. And for some reason, I think it's funny when other people make bad jokes and then they laugh at their own jokes. <laughs> I find that hilarious. In real life, it gets you into trouble because they realize you're laughing at them and not with them and get upset. But <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, Brian Cox is in this movie. He's fantastic. I mean, it's Brian Cox. He's usually fantastic in everything. Yeah, yeah. You almost just wish he was in it for longer. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, he's sort of, sort of uh, Sam slash Charlie's handler back in the day when he, she was a uh, super spy or something. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what his position officially was, but yeah, they don't really give titles. But I, I feel like again, there could be a more serious version of this movie that would be, you know. He would he would play a much bigger role, and he'd be serving her up with weapons and everything. It'd be almost yeah. a Bond film at that point. But yeah. they kind of not, nothing in this movie can sit for too long. It's a, a Shane Black slash Rennie <laughs> Harlan movie. It's going to keep moving along, and they they bring him in, they get their dialogue out of the way, and they kill him off. Right? Yeah, he still plays an integral part even after he's dead. Because yeah. of course he packs a gun like right next to his junk. And is drowned so that when Gina Davis goes on the water wheel, she comes up with a gun and just unloads on that dude. I love I love it when the David uh when David Moore shows up too, because they're trying to convince you that he might not be a bad guy, and you're like, Yeah, but it's it's, it's David Moore, so <laughs> he's a bad guy. Like yeah, we all know what's going on here. He either would have been the dad at the beginning of the film, or he's a bad guy. <laughs> there is nothing in between. Uh, not in his career. Yeah, I was a I was a big fan of the. Uh, uh, well, this is no ham on rye, and then I would have been here sooner. But I was thinking about that ham on rye line. <laughs> For some reason that always cracked me up. It's a pretty good one. And uh, when you make an assumption, you make an ass out of you and umption. That one, that one fell flat for me. Oh, uh, really? Come on. It's, it's Sam Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> he's, not, he's not infallible. He's not incapable of uh, dropping a line from time to time. I don't know. You can't kill me, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> he's so, his character, I love it in a movie when a character gets all fucked up and just keeps surviving. And by the end of this movie, Samuel Jackson's character is so fucked up. Like, he's hurt so bad. He got shot, like, in the shin. And then shot, like, in the chest. And then, yeah, just... The whole, this whole movie, he, like, sings to himself when he's doing shit. And he does it to that, uh... Uh... I don't know, whatever fucking song that is. Then, of course, when he uh, pops up in the car, in the fucking truck, they have to use that, like, quick musical tag. And it's just like, that damn right. (laughs) Fucking burst out of that truck, run across the Canadian border. Which, how true is that, Doug? I mean, this was the 90s Canadian border. Could you literally just drive across, no problem? Getting into Canada? Yeah. It's not that hard to get into Canada. It's still not, to be totally honest. It's hard to get into your country from Canada. Nah. It's getting Char, out. That's the problem. Char was very excited about that bridge. Apparently, she's driven across it before. Oh, okay. She said that blew exciting. Up. She, she was like, that was the Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> she did make a joke about that, and she goes, well, you know this movie's fake because that bridge is still there. <laughs> 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 She's like, I was with it up till now. Amnesia chick, 
Amnesia chicks ice skating across the pond at the same speed as uh, two cars chasing each other, sure. But <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> fucking blow up that bridge. Fuck this movie. Don't blow up the rainbow bridge, yo. <laughs> That's uh, when this movie lost me is when they started filming in Toronto and claiming they were in New Jersey and they don't even have the decency to like hold the camera down so you can see all the like famous Toronto street signs and stuff. They're filming like the Honest Ed's building. Like, um, everybody knows what that building is in Canada, or at least would have back in the day. It's like, yeah, just, it's funny when that happens. Nice. Yeah, I read that uh, you can see a lot of the the Canada stuff. Yeah, non Canada part of the movie. I started looking for stuff I recognized. They we almost see Suspect Video, which was my favorite video store of oh. all time. That's now closed. You see the building it's in, you just see it from the wrong angle. You can't see the actual store. Made me sad. So it's just why I've never been to Canada because that's one of the places I definitely would have wanted to go. Suspect Video. Yeah. It's bummed yeah. it closed. Yeah, as far as I know, they were still doing all right. It's just the building is getting like turned into condos or some shit. So. Yeah. I knew they were doing online stuff for a while after they closed. I don't know if they still, they are. still are. Yeah. yeah. They have their own podcast now, too. People should check it out. Nice. I've never I've never listened to it. I don't know if it's good or not, but <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know Lewis was a, was a really good guy back when he used to hang out with him a bit. Whatever he's doing, I, people should support that. But this is really off topic now. This is worse than we were before. <laughs> Do you have any favorite parts, Noah? Uh, the fight, the fight scene between Gina Davis and the the one eyed bald dude at the beginning of the movie is pretty fucking awesome. It is pretty awesome. It's, was, it's his fucking it, shotgun it's, turns into like a grenade launcher out of nowhere. <laughs> right, right. He, fucking, <laughs> he blows like a two by two hole in a fucking wall. But it was awesome because then she just grabs her kid and chucks her out of the house into the treehouse, and that was pretty dope. Right. Awesome. Uh, I don't know. Pretty much all the I liked all the action stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all pretty good. The uh, I thought the the water wheel torture scene for some reason is is especially effective. Oh, yeah. and I don't. I, and I think it's mostly it has nothing to do with drowning. It's just that water's so fucking cold. Yeah. You know? That would be so awful. I think that's the big part of it. Like you just look at them dressed up in like parkas and shit. And she's just like in their like nightgown or slip or whatever the fuck it is. And they just dunk her in that water and you're like, Oh fuck, I can tell that's fucking cold. Ugh. Fuck this movie. <laughs> He deserves to get shot. I love, I love that that last time. Whenever she's like, you know, if you let me go, I'll let you keep your legs or something like that. <laughs> it's good stuff. And then, of course, the first thing she does is shoot him in the fucking leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I showed this movie to my dad. Uh, and I was like, hey, check this out. And he watched it, and he was in the middle of watching it. And I was like, oh, what do you think? He's like, oh, this is great. And then towards the end, when Gina Davis gives Samuel Jackson a kiss, my dad, of course, was like, oh, I don't go for that mixed race crap. And I was like, God damn it. No, no. God damn it. <laughs> what the Why fuck are you, are you doing? This story? Yeah, he doesn't Why are you telling listen. this story? Just to shame my father. Take the rest of us out of here. <laughs> 
That's the worst story. <laughs> That's terrible. That's how I, I felt it was, about it. I thought it was just going to be this pleasant story about how you and your dad bonded over a movie and it went so downhill. <laughs> uh... That's almost as bad as when my first niece was born. The first words to mouse was, is baby white? Oh, <laughs> that's, the, that's the very first thing she said. And, I mean, it was my brother's kid. So the very first thing she was implying was not not only was it not his child. <laughs> like, <laughs> just weird, gross assumptions for no reason. Oh, old people and their casual racism. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Um, alright. I guess we got one piece of feedback, sort of. <laughs> Just be nice. He's the only guy that writes in. Are you going to edit in the four-minute clip? Uh, I don't think so, but I may post it to the Facebook group, so if anybody wants to listen to it, they can go listen to it there. <laughs> uh, Kent says, hey guys, my wife got me interested in The Curse of Oak Island, which, Noah, you said you were watching. Yeah. Uh, one of our favorite things to do while watching the show is guess what item will trigger an inquisitive remark from narrator Kevin Burns. Last year, I compiled <laughs> a bunch of these from season six. Take a listen. So, and Noah guffawed, I had no point of reference, so it wasn't that funny to me, but... Yeah, you pretty much gotta watch the show. <laughs> but the narr- I, every time they find something on the island, the narrator will, like, pop up and just restate it and then go off on some cr- psychotic tangent of bullshit. <laughs> it's like, a rock with a line written in it? Could it be Templars? <laughs> <laughs> Every time. So, yeah, head over to the Facebook group. I'll post it up and listen to it. It's like a good four minutes long. So, figured probably here wasn't the best uh, the best place to play it. But yeah, according to, to Noah, it, it's fucking hilarious. So yeah, It's funny if you've watched the show. Um, all right. Did anybody watch anything? Uh, I watched a few things. A few uh, things. Uh, the lady friend started watching you. <laughs> so, oh, I was kind oh, of yeah. in the room for that so that was a show that started on lifetime i guess for the first season and then netflix picked it up for another season based off of a book series that is kind of like the show dexter but instead of like a pseudo heroic serial killer instead it's an entire show about a stalker Mm -hmm. told from the perspective of the stalker and weirdly romanticizes and justifies the things he does which is weird and uncomfortable <laughs> like and I guess that book series was r- written by a woman which I find doubly strange I don't know it's weird it's it's just weird trying to be like you know sure he breaks into her house sure he clones her phone so she can track so he can track all of her 
text messages. Yes, he kills her ex-boyfriend and her best friend and all these people to, to isolate her and keep control over her life. But he really loves her. <laughs> Does he do anything wrong, then? Does it deteriorate at this point? <laughs> yeah, right. It's just it's it's real weird. I get I get why it wasn't popular and why uh, Lifetime dropped it. I can't believe it was on Lifetime. Yeah. Well, it's apparently the second season just came out, and I think it's already been picked up for another season. Yeah, like I said, it's not it's not like the the performances or anything are awful. Yeah. It's just uh, I don't I don't know some something about and and I guess see I guess that's hypocritical though because I do like Dexter and that's basically romanticizing a fucking serial killer. But so, he kills only bad people. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I suppose. If the yeah. chick in this you show was like a real bitch, it'd be okay to stalk her. That's the message we're trying to send her. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's even there's even a really weird subplot in the first season where it turns out one of uh, the girl who so he's like dating her and stalking her at one point, and one of her friends is secretly gay and super into her, and she's kind of doing the same thing that the other guy is, so she's also stalking her and fucking with her life and there's this weird subplot of them competing with each other trying to like out each other without outing themselves like sounds it's, very complicated yeah. it's, been, it's weird it's been, it's been in my list to watch but i it just haven't pulled the trigger although i, I, kind did, of... I did see a meme uh since you're comparing it to dexter this makes way more sense of uh of yeah the character from you and then it's like, hey, whatever his name is. And then the next picture is a picture of Dexter in his killing clothes with a syringe in his hand. And then it goes back to the guy and he's just like, oh, fuck. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty awesome. Uh, so we watched that. Uh, we also started watching. Have you guys watched any of Bruno on Netflix? <laughs> no. So. I, I'm assuming it's one of those shows that started as a YouTube thing and they just were like, you know what? Fuck it. This show costs $25 to make per episode. But it's essentially about a guy living in New York City and he has a little dog named Bruno. And it's like, a, a what are they called? A puggle? You know what I mean? It's kind of like one of those ugly little mixed breed dogs. Mm-hmm. And it's an entire show that just revolves around this dude's relationship with his dog. And not like in a weird sexual way, like in a, he just really loves his dog. I love that we host a podcast where you have to say not in a weird sexual way and describing the guy's relationship with his dog. Right. Like it's just the show, the entire plot of the show, it's so fucking hard to explain it, but it actually is kind of funny, especially if you're a pet person. Because, like, the first episode ends with him uh, unscrewing a broom and beating a guy with a broom handle because he keeps calling his dog by the wrong name. And basically, and toward the end of the episode, he finds out that, like, this dude's been calling his dog the wrong name so much the dog started responding to the wrong name. In the second the second episode is about him hunting through the neighborhood trying to find a guy who's not picking up his dog shit whenever he walks his dog. And just, it's a whole episode of him doing an investigation and trying to find the poop and run guy. <laughs> Which, once again, also ends with him finding the guy and then him and another guy beating with broom handles. <laughs> like, 
there's a running thing with people getting beat with broom handles. I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but sure. Uh, it's it's funny. It's worth a watch. All the episodes, the episodes are real short. I think they're only like 15, 20 minutes or something like that. Uh, so I watched that. Uh, then watching all these one-liner movies got me in the mood for weird action movies. So I watched Demolition Man. <laughs> yeah. I watched Fair that in a long time. But... How's that not on our list? You know what? Still fucking awesome. <laughs> of course, I rewatch. I rewatched it, and I was like, you know what? It holds up real well. If they if they made that movie today, uh, and and just you know they obviously they'd have to clean up a couple of the special effects and stuff, but sure. still solid. I, I, it would still be awesome. You know, if Stallone's listening, that he's going to casually reboot it and keep himself in the role, right? So. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> Demolition Man 2, where apparently his character committed another crime, was frozen. <laughs> Again. It's now even further in the future. So who would play a sidekick? Would it be like Emma Stone or something? Who's like the equivalent of Sandra Bullock now? That's a good question. Who the fuck is the new Sandra Bullock? Rebel Wilson? <laughs> You know what? You laugh, but I would totally fucking watch a Demolition Man too. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone and Rebel Wilson having to run around do shit on board. Ugh! <laughs> Could you imagine the weird sex scene between fucking old wrinkly ass <laughs> Sylvester Stallone and Rebel Wilson? <laughs> that is fucking nightmare fuel. Uh, I'm just saying, I'd watch that movie. Ugh. <laughs> This shit's getting weird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still trying to flush that image out of my brain now. It's awful. Uh, And then I was like, oh yeah, Sylvester Stallone made lots of movies, so I'm going to watch some Sylvester Stallone movies. So then I watched Rocky 1, 2, and 3. Good lord. Fair enough. Rocky One is an amazing movie. It really is. In some ways, I like two better. I think. Oh really? I I'm not I'm not a huge fan of two. Really? I actually think three is better than two. I think yeah, three is probably... like three is where they just lean into this is just a boxing movie. It's about a boxer who loses his title and has to get it back. Fine. Like two, I think they kind of walk that line where they try to pull off the drama that is part one, but they still make it. A, they still have that cheesy moment where he's just like, she's like, you have to win for me. And then he just does. And you're like, eh, now you're being a boxing movie in the middle of a drama movie. Yeah. Doesn't part three have a robot in it? No, it's part four. Oh, I couldn't remember which one. Part four is really less of a movie and just a series of music videos all strung together. Rocky. Rocky Three is the one where he fights uh, Mr. T. Yeah, I couldn't remember if that one—that was the one where he was super rich and living in the mansion, and they had the robot walking around, yeah. or if that was four. So, no, it's the uh, it's the one where he's he's now the the rising champion, but there's the super badass dude that's killed somebody in the ring or something like that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember what their excuse. It's basically Mike Tyson. 
I mean, yeah, but Mr. T is fantastic in that movie too. He, you know what? He really is, and he just plays Mr. T, but because of the way they set up, it works. Yeah, it's perfect. And it's all great. Watch, now I need to go watch Rocky Three. Plus, you get to watch him fight Hulk Hogan at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Or sorry, sorry, Thunderlips. Thunderlips. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> He got he got fired from his wrestling job because he wanted to go do this movie. That's funny. Yeah, that really held back his career. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I think it was Vince Sr. that fired him because he was going to go do this movie. And then after it was like a huge hit, I think Vince Jr. is the one that rehired him. I don't know. I think something like that is true. Yeah. And then that's it. I was going to go watch Underwater this weekend, but it's only now it's like only showing two times a day that I miss the other one in the night when it's almost at 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, fuck that. I'm an old man. I would just fall asleep. Yeah. yeah, I've heard from horror fans that it's a lot of fun. But yeah, it hasn't been doing very well. I it's, see. I, I find it interesting that you guys say that you've heard nothing but positive things, and like I said, I, pretty much everything I've read or looked at or heard of, it's like it's boring and bad. Which it doesn't look boring. It looks like a remake of Deep Star Six with different creatures instead of crab monsters. We had this exact conversation last time. We did. Yeah. <laughs> One of, if we're going to keep talking about this movie every episode, one of us is going to have to see it eventually. <laughs> like I said, I might go see it this weekend if it's still showing. What about you, Doug? What did you watch? Uh, I got a lot of stuff because we had an extra week off there. Yeah. So let's go through it. Uh, first up, I'm a big fan of uh, true crime stories. So I watched uh, Vice. about your former uh, vice president there? Oh, yeah. Um... Amazing performance. Didn't I, uh, see it, but I've heard, yeah, I heard Christian Bale's pretty fantastic yeah. in it. The movie itself is, it's one of those ones where you're telling somebody's life story and it's like, maybe you shouldn't have told his whole life and tried to fit that in two and a half hours because I feel like maybe the story would be better served if you got more in detail into exactly some of the more horrible things this guy did. Mm-hmm. But the performances are great. Um, like Sam Rockwell plays George W. Bush, and uh, I'm trying to think of who it is. Steve Carell plays uh, uh, one of those other shitheads from that administration. <laughs> one, one of those faces that I hated on TV at the time, like his name, uh, Rumsfeld. Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah, he's really good. Like they're all really good at doing what they do. Um. I don't know how accurate because some of the stuff that they're doing is like, well, conversations that nobody else would have been there for except for these guys. So is that accurately how they behaved? But it feels right. Um, Basically, what I've read said they they pump a few things up for like comedic effect. But contextually, everything that happens in that movie is verified to have happened. Well, yeah. And. Honestly, that's part of the problem with it from a movie perspective is, like, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. And they're very honest about saying, like, we don't know what happened behind this closed door. So two guys wanted – so why why was there 
why was there a war? We don't know. Here's what we do know. And they'll, they'll have like a narrator saying these things. Cause Adam McKay movie, um, he does that in his movies where he actually has people speaking to the camera and they're like, yeah, we don't know why they invaded there, but we know we found this map with these oil company logos on it. You can draw your own conclusions from that. And it's, it is one of those things where it's like, yeah, they're trying to be fair and not to make accusations that they can't back up with facts, but from a storytelling perspective that keeps it a little less interesting. So now, now the question I have, having not seen it, would the movie be better if it was all played exactly the same way, but instead of Sam Rockwell, they had Will Ferrell just doing George Bush from SNL. <laughs> I feel like that would change the context of the movie quite a bit. <laughs> uh, I feel like they weren't really going for slapstick. Sure. In this movie. I, and I'm saying, like, everybody else, completely 100% serious, but then Will Ferrell just George pushing it up. Um, I would say maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd really have to see that. Somebody has to do one of those deep fake videos and put that out because um, – like, to be honest, George Bush is a background character in this. Sure. He's – uh, like he Sam was Rockwell's. a background character in his own fucking presence. Well, <laughs> There's that too, and that's again that's brought up in this movie, and it's made pretty clear that Cheney was doing a lot of shit that is not normal for a vice president to do. Um, but you know, and again, verifiable facts. They kind of cut cut it off shy of being of making direct accusations of things that he may have been doing, but they're like, why would he have an office in this building? No other vice president has ever had an office in this building. Like, you know, and they, they do just show the scenes of like, he had to quit his job to become vice president. Here's how much money he made when he quit his job. And then that company made a bunch of money off of him being vice president. That's a weird coincidence, right? You know, it immediately hired him back. Yeah. So, it's weird Anyways. how that works. We're definitely not seeing that right now. Well, no, because Vice Cheney quit his job to become vice president. Your current president didn't even bother. No, no. Just, he just kept the job. So I can handle both of these at once. I was going to say, it's, it's interesting that, like, Dick Cheney was kind of like Lex Luthor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he was like a legit supervillain type character. And then... Donald Trump's more like one of the bad guys from Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, nah, I'm going to throw a bunch of trash in the ocean. Nah, fuck you. <laughs> Obama said the water should be clean. Fuck it. Dirty it up. <laughs> That's pretty much how he uh, handles everything that he, I, that he goes into. <laughs> Which I don't know why the Democrats just haven't come up. Well, this is another sidebar. But they just come up with the strategy of like, well, let's just say Obama did a bunch of terrible stuff. And so then he'll do the opposite. <laughs> do the good stuff. Just a little reverse psychology on him. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, it can't backfire at this point. So. <clears throat> no. Can't be any worse. Anyways. I mean, I knew when I brought up that movie, we'd end up on politics. I tried to avoid it. <laughs> Can I talk about a horror movie now? Just yeah, to change. Uh, how about 2018's The Dark? Have you guys heard of this one? No. This is this is a really good movie. You should probably watch it. It's on Amazon Prime or 
least it is here. Um, but basically, it's kind of a, like a coming of age tale about some teenage kids uh, making friends. Except one of them is a monster, and one of them was blinded by his kidnapper, who the monster killed. So the setup is like there's these woods and there's these stories of something that like kills and eats people. This guy goes into the woods, gets killed and eaten by like a little zombie girl who's like, like, I don't know, 13 year old girl, maybe. Um, And then in the backseat of that guy's car, a little girl finds a boy whose eyes have been gouged out and befriends him. And they spend much of the rest of the movie together running around the woods and uh, trying to avoid being caught by the cops who are out there investigating and things like that. Really creepy, really weird. Um, Hard to describe, but I would definitely recommend people watch it. It's it's just one of those really kind of offbeat movies that I think would appeal to people who like this podcast. So it says here that it's streaming on Amazon Prime and Tubi. Okay. I do not believe it was available through Tubi in Canada. I don't know. But whatever. Yeah. Um, Super weird movie. Good gore. Some of the makeup effects are a little questionable. But that's what you get with low-budget movies. So don't let that bug you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I got a bunch to get through here, so I should start moving quicker, I suppose. <laughs> uh, Deep Blue Sea 2. Yeah? That popped up on Netflix, and I'm like, fuck, I've been avoiding watching this out of fear that it's going to be terrible. And? It's not terrible. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised by how competently made it is. It's, it's essentially the same movie, um, except... They didn't have the budget to have the big sharks swimming around all the time, so there's a bunch of baby sharks that are born early on, and they essentially use the same uh, practical effects as Piranha used back in 1976, <laughs> where there's just, like, the bubbles in the water. They're like, there they are, they're coming. And then when you get the close-up, it's just little, like, <laughs> motionless shark things that they're just, like, throwing at the actors. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's plot-wise, it's the same movie as the first one. It's the the big twist. Do you guys want to hear the spoiler on this one? Like, oh no, we made the shark smart again. Yeah, but <laughs> but where the big change is is in the motivation of the the lead scientist guy. Because yeah. last time they were trying to stop Alzheimer's, right? Yeah. But the the motivation of this guy is. Uh, he is really worried about AI and basically uh, Terminator 2 happening in real life. So he wants to use this technology to make people super smart so that when the computers get super smart and try to take over, we'll be able to fight back against them. Sure. <laughs> so, but, so, but after the after the last time when they made this, the sharks real smart and they killed a bunch of people, they didn't think, hey... It's probably something better than sharks. No. <laughs> to, to be honest, I'm not sure if there are any direct references back to the other movie. So this is like one of those like 90s direct 
straight-to-video sequels, which is basically a retelling of the original story, but with a cheaper cast and worse effects. But I used to like those, and I liked this. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Look, okay, in the first movie, the sharks, after they got smart, learned how to jump over the fences. In this one, they dig a hole and go under the fences. That's that's what we're talking about. You can decide for yourself if you want to watch it. It's better than I expected it to be. It may very well have benefited from my low expectations. <laughs> I like in the middle of my description where I'm trying to say positive things and you're like, oh, good lord. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't criticizing the movie. I was trying to tell you it was good. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, right. yeah. Uh, people trying to prevent uh, Terminator. Somehow equals smart sharks. I get it. Yeah, it doesn't matter why they're making the sharks smart. It matters that they're making the sharks smart. <laughs> they also have uh, some of them because they made them smart. They can train them a little bit, which is fun. So the guy has like a little bit of control over them. Doesn't really work out in the long run. It's weird how that works. Yeah. So, anyways, I I don't know. If you want to watch Deep Blue Sea two, watch it. <laughs> If, I don't think it's it's going to be as disappointing as people are worried about it being, but I don't think it's going to win over a lot of people who have no interest either. Uh, and then somehow or another, I went from that into decided to revisit some drama films that I hadn't seen in a while. <laughs> um, first one was uh, Gone Baby Gone, which was Ben Affleck's directorial debut. Yeah, you guys, I'm assuming you guys probably saw this one at some point. Uh, yes, I'm a the weird stylized one about the uh, kidnapped kid or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I hadn't seen it in uh, years, and I just, I don't know why I decided to watch it, but it's, it really holds up well. Um, I think the mystery elements of it are done really well, even though I remembered the outcome, so it kind of spoils it a little performances are great it's it's super fucking dark and depressing so don't 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 watch it if you're like you know if you're contemplating suicide don't watch this it might push you over the edge but it's uh it holds up really well like i say performances are great all around ed harris and casey affleck are, are really good when they're going head to head with each other um yeah and i i like what I really like about the movie is it poses like a few like moral dilemmas and the character does not always get rewarded for doing that, you know, the quote unquote right thing. Yeah. And I, I kind of, I kind of liked that in the movie. It reminded me of like a seventies movie with kind of the nihilistic ending where you're like, congratulations, you won the day. And it's like, is this really what winning looks like? Cause this doesn't feel like it's winning. That <laughs> yeah, holds up really well. So, um, Similarly, I watched uh, Copland. Hadn't seen it, that one in even longer. Yeah, that's one I've been uh, wanting to revisit. It is very good. Um, like, I forgot how much... Like, I didn't realize it was directed by James Mangold, who I... Like, I now know him as the Logan guy, but then when I looked at his IMDb page, I'm like, oh, he did, like, some good stuff before he was famous for that. <laughs> I didn't... I just didn't know who he was back when he made Copland. Um... The, like the movie is 
does a really good job of holding back from becoming an action movie where it's like it it should be an action movie in some, to some extent and there is like a, a couple of big action-y sequences but it, it does a really good job of just maintaining itself as a, a drama about the corruption in this police force and stuff um, I won't get into too much of a plot description so I'm guessing people either saw it or don't care but uh, yeah it holds up really well again the cast is just I don't know how 1997 version of James Mangold got like Harvey Keitel and Robert De Niro and Sylvester Stallone and Ray Liotta all in the same movie. Like that seems like a huge accomplishment, but I, I, I don't I don't understand how Hollywood works. I don't know how I don't a movie directed by a guy that would not have been famous at the time, but glad they did. Yeah, that's one in the 90s when I saw it that I was like, oh, that's right. Sylvester Stallone's actually a decent actor. Like, you just kind of yeah. forgot because he was in, like, nonstop, you know, crazy Rambo movies and whatever else, like, yeah. action movies. Well, the other thing, too, is, like, whenever you say, like, oh, he's a good actor, people always point to the Rocky movies, and the response from critics is, well, yeah, but he created that character to basically play as himself. And, you know, when you see a movie like Copland and you watch what he can do, you're like, oh, no, look, this is a different character altogether from Rambo or Rocky. And he's excellent in it. And, he, you know, he went through a, a physical transformation to play the role and everything else. And he's this sort of like beaten down kind of like he's a small town sheriff, but he doesn't really have much power even in his town because he is kind of bending over backwards to be nice to the New York cops that live there. It's it's a very subtle, very strong performance. Yeah. And there's a, he has this one little speech where he's talking about, cause the whole thing is like, he's not, the question is, is he going to do the right thing and try to stop these corrupt cops who are all his buddies who are live in the small town where they've kind of like put him into this position of sheriff where he can be there. And, and he talks about how he has this, this injury that he's had when he was a kid it's why he's not able ever able to become a new york cop he, he got it while saving somebody else's life and he, this speech is about you know like would i do that same thing now like years later would i even have jumped in the water to save that to have this injury and you know have i let and it, he's he's getting at have i let all this corruption kind of seep into me and am i now turning my back to these guys who are doing these terrible things um because doing the right thing is not important to me anymore. But he does it in such a subtle way, and it's really delivered really well. So I, I don't know. I think people should watch it if you don't believe... If, when people say that Schwarzenegger's a good actor, or Stallone's a good actor, if you don't um, believe them, watch this movie, and you'll, you'll see what he can do. Yeah, it's on my sort of rewatch list. I haven't seen it since... Originally came out on video. Oh, okay, so I think it's a '97 movie. So, yeah. Been a long yeah. Time. Uh, and then, then for some reason, I watched the 1992 movie School Ties. Okay. I'm flipping through Amazon. It's recommending me stuff, and I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> um, so the 1992 movie School Ties. Do you guys remember this one? It was about do, like uh, Brendan Fraser plays a, like a Jewish kid who goes away to a prep school and has to kind of pretend to not be Jewish so he can fit in. Eventually, everybody figures it out. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. No, I, I. It was one of those like when it popped up on like you know, 
Amazon recommends. I'm like, okay. I remember this being one of those movies that, like, as a kid, like, it's a 1992 movie, so I would have been, like, just finishing elementary school, starting high school kind of age. I remember thinking it was, like, this really impactful, dramatic film. And I kind of half-watched it, because I was like, I bet you it's not. Like, I bet you when I watch it now, it's going to come across as really cheesy. And I was mistaken. It holds up really well. It's, like, an excellent drama film. It's really well written in the sense that how can I put it? Like so the first the first thing I thought was really interesting was they kind of do a double fish out of water story. So it's Brendan Fraser plays the main character and he is Jewish, but he's also from like a poor town and he gets sent off to this like prep school because he's a really good quarterback and the prep school is basically recruiting him and giving him a scholarship or whatever. Um so when he gets to the school, he hides the fact that he's Jewish so that he won't be discriminated against, but he can't really hide the fact that he comes from this like more rough and tumble background. And what that does is it enables us to see that like, yeah, they're not unaccepting of outsiders. Like they, all the other characters and it's all good actors. Like Chris O'Donnell plays uh, his roommate and uh, Matt Damon plays like this, one of the other like sleazy guys on the that that he meets and they're all very accepting of this like outsider and he's they all they, they want to hear his stories about how he got into street fights and stuff because they're all these rich kids who've never been through anything like that and, and what that does is it really shows that it is like the anti-semitism that's the problem <laughs> and it's it's kind of a neat way to bring that about where it's like you hide the fact that it's not it's not just because he's different, it's specifically because he's different in this way That's that they don't like him when they all turn on him towards the end of the movie. Um, and the other thing I found really interesting about it is when the fact that he's Jewish comes out and he starts to really be discriminated against, there's a number of characters who bring up the whole, like, well, it's not that you're Jewish that I have a problem with, it's the fact that you hid it from us that I have a problem with and I think it's a really interesting discussion to be had and not something I would have expected from a movie of this nature like with these teenage actors in it but it is one of those things where it's like yeah like if somebody is being dishonest with you I can see why that would be hurtful and how you might like not you know what I mean even though it's even though they were doing it for, you know, a, a good cause, they were trying to protect themselves, you're still going to feel hurt by that as well. And I was surprised how kind of in-depth the movie was and how it was willing to kind of tackle those kinds of issues, whereas, as opposed to just being like this very preachy, very straightforward kind of thing. So. It wasn't as nearly as one-sided as you thought it would be? No. And I mean, it's definitely one-sided in the sense that it makes it pretty clear that it, it yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's clear the, that there's a, a lot of people who are against him for being Jewish, and the movie makes it takes the stance that that's wrong, which most of us can probably agree with without much sure. argument. But it's it's also more more complex than that. Like the issues that are are discussed are discussed in an intelligent way. So. And the the other weird thing about this movie that's just apropos of nothing is apparently it's like really popular because I post all the movies I watch to the Midnight Drive-In 
Instagram account, which has like seven followers and gets like two likes per post because it's pretty much just how I it's basically just here so I can keep track of what I've watched it's, it doesn't serve any other purpose it was originally I was hoping people would see this and then they would follow it to the podcast that didn't work I gave up on that like I don't know after two posts but th- this particular post that when I put up that I was watching school it's got like literally over 100 likes and nothing else that I've posted in the last two years has more than like five likes so apparently people out there love this movie and multiple comments from people who I don't think are listeners to the podcast just random people who saw my post and had to speak up and are upset because Cole Hauser isn't listed higher in the credits (laughs) he should have got top billing and I'm like Fair enough. He's good in the movie. <laughs> it's just weird that you're still upset about this from 1992. <laughs> so, well, you know, that, the, the Midnight Drive-In Instagram has 112 followers. Okay. <laughs> but I, I did but look at it, of, though. Three that of them are crazy. us. <laughs> it's super weird, like, because the notifications pop up, keep popping up on my phone. I'm just like what the hell is going on? And like, I thought maybe it was like at first, like, cause I see like, Oh, 40 new likes. And I'm like 40 new likes. Like did one listener start like following and just go back and like every post or something. And it's like, no, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this movie being popular amongst girls in high school back in the day. I don't know why. Uh, look at maybe look at the cast listing. Yeah, I mean, it, it could just be that it so, just seems like a weird movie for them to glom onto because of yeah. you know the cute boys in it. It's the and Fraser Matt Damon naked fight scene in the shower that they like. <laughs> Probably. And like I say, it is it's a really well made movie. The performances are strong all around, uh, and it it has like it deals with some other issues besides the main storyline as well. There's you know like. There's some stuff that I think would appeal to young people about a teacher who's like riding this kid really hard and kind of drives him nuts and stuff like that. Yeah. That maybe stuff that people remember. Like, it's hard for me to kind of relate to that now because <laughs> if anything, I'm like the adult that has to like push other kids around to get them to do their homework and shit. And <laughs> oh, but I'll behave like that guy. But if I have to, I have to. You got to make the kids do what they got to do. <laughs> All right, so completely other end of the spectrum now. Yeah, I watched uh, Mountain of the Cannibal God. Have you, guys, have you guys seen this one? I have not. I've seen it under its alternate title, Slave of the Cannibal God. No, or its other alternate title, Prisoner of the Cannibal God. <laughs> That'd be a no. Sounds like a movie oh, yeah. Noah would watch, though. It does sound like a movie I would watch. Did you mention Stacy Keaches in it? <laughs> Well, he's in it for about half of it, and then I swear, I, I think that it was just like his script days were up or something, because out of nowhere, they're like climbing a mountain, like this, all the main characters are climbing a mountain, Stacy Keach's character just falls down the waterfall, that's it, he's just gone, he's dead now, <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? He was the only actor in this movie I knew. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's your typical, they're all in the woods, did he uh, post that he didn't have his sweet, sweet mustache, though? 
He did not have a sweet mustache. I, uh, when I posted to the Instagram, I believe I said, if he has this mustache, then the cannibals don't stand a chance. And uh, he didn't. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> that mustache probably would have saved him. He only fell down one waterfall. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing scene, though, because it's just like Stacey Keach, and he's like, asking this guy for help and the other guy's like the douchebag character he's like I'm not helping you and then he falls a little bit cut to like the far off scene and they just someone just threw a dummy down a waterfall <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of like the old like uh, married with children bit where whenever like somebody would fall they would just throw this like ridiculously obvious dummy <laughs> that's what it looked like but anyways yeah I know where, I know what you guys are thinking so I'll just answer your question and the, the answer is yes this is the one where the guy ends up fucking a pig um, oh. it's non connect to me. I'm glad there's I'm all glad. sorts of wacky shit. That was the one I that was guys question I really needed answered. Yeah, the movie is basically these. I mean, there's there's a plot. There, one guy went missing, and they're all going looking for him, and they're not allowed to go in this jungle. And what are the authorities hiding? Why don't they want us going in this jungle? None of that matters. They're basically trekking through the woods through the entire movie. Yeah to find this guy and when they find him he's been taken in by this cannibal tribe and all hell breaks loose including yeah the aforementioned pig fucking the on-screen penectomy the just all sorts of crazy shit um question I guess is do I recommend the movie I don't know. <laughs> just, just, it's, the thing is, the first half of the movie is it's pretty boring, man. This movie was ahead of its time because we're talking like 30 years before Lord of the Rings came out. And these are people walking through the woods for a long portion of the movie. <laughs> uh, and it doesn't really make any sense because they know exactly where they're going. And at the beginning of the movie, they get in a helicopter. But for some reason, that helicopter drops them off in the woods and they have to walk the rest of the way. And I don't know why the helicopter didn't just fly them to where they were going. <laughs> it seems like that would have solved a lot of their problems, Stacey. Each never would have had to climb up that mountain. But yeah. I guess getting there is half the fun, right? Just like those goddamn eagles in Lord of the Rings. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the movie is very slow for the first while. Crazy at the end. Tons of nudity and violence, if that's what you're into. And if you're listening to this podcast, there's a reasonable chance you're into that stuff. So, um, so a couple things left. Uh, how about this one? I was in the mood for uh, a Bigfoot movie. And flipping through Amazon Prime, and I found like one. It's a new one, and it had... Uh, it's boasted that it had Adrian Barbeau in it. So I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. I'll watch that. I'm sure it's just a cameo, but still. Um, so the movie's called Hoax. It's from 2019. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's your typical Bigfoot movie. Some people went into the woods. They get killed. Some other people go back up to find out what killed them. The kind of fun little twist is that the group that goes back up are filming like a reality TV show about it kind of thing so they have like amongst their crew they have like the ditzy host who gets to serve as the comic relief who doesn't who clearly doesn't want to be up there um, and yeah I mean this one here was it was kind of just a lighthearted movie it opens up like the opening scene is like 
a complete tribute to Friday the 13th part two. They're all sitting around the campfire and the one person is just like, no, I don't, I don't want to scare anyone, but I should warn you about what's in the woods. And they're, they're repeating the Jason speech from the beginning of Friday too, but they're editing it for Bigfoot purposes. And I'm just like, right away, I'm smiling. And I, I couldn't stop smiling for the rest of the movie. And I'm not sure how much goodwill that that opening scene bought me, but it was just like, you know, it's very, this movie is a very, in many ways, a very typical um, Bigfoot movie for about three quarters of it. And then shit goes right off the rails at that point. Um, it starts with, the first big twist is pretty predictable, which is like that all the characters start turning on each other. And the one like sleazy producer guy starts becoming like a, a danger to his other people because he's threatening them because they're all trying to leave and he's, you know, threatening them with violence if they don't stay up here and try to get the footage of the Bigfoot and all that stuff. Um, I won't even spoil the next twist because I think people should probably watch this movie and I don't think you could possibly see the next twist coming. I'll just say the movie goes from like, you know, lighthearted, low budget horror film to sort of like slasher. It delves like right into like torture porn at one point and then kind of reels back into just being a monster movie for the last little bit. It's jarring. so there's there's a dude in a Bigfoot suit and then a real Bigfoot. No dude in a Bigfoot suit. That kind of makes me sad. So, I mean, there's if it makes you feel any better, these special effects aren't that good. So the the real Bigfoot pretty much looks like a dude in a Bigfoot suit. Does that help? <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> you sold Noah. <laughs> no, it, it, I mean, yeah, it's. All right, fuck it, I'll spoil the twist that I wasn't going to spoil. But, I mean, the twist is that they literally, like, they stumble across this cottage and they, like, bang in and go looking for help. And those people are, like, just turn out to be evil fucking sick bastards who just start, like, tying them up, cutting them up and shit. And I'm just like, I don't know why this is happening. This doesn't seem like it's part of the Bigfoot movie I was watching. But it's all really well done. It's It's pretty fun. So... The other thing worth mentioning is uh, Brian... Oh, what's his name? Brian Thompson? Is that the name of the guy I'm thinking of? The killer from uh, Cobra? Yeah. He's Anyways, he's in it. He's uh, He plays like an old military guy that they bring up to serve as like their security. Um, so it's kind of fun to see his face in a movie again. I don't see him very often anymore. Possibly because he's really kind of too old to be playing this type of role and he's not capable of doing anything else, but for a movie like this it was nice to have a minute so yeah I don't know I'd actually I'd go right ahead and I'd say I'd recommend Hoax if you're interested in a Bigfoot movie every now and again we have these little like surges where they make a bunch of Bigfoot movies and a couple of them turn out to be okay this one was pretty fun honestly don't think I've ever watched a Bigfoot movie that I've enjoyed oh okay I I take that back (laughs) Harry and the Hendersons is the only Bigfoot movie I've ever enjoyed see I like I like the concept of Bigfoot movies and then I just find a lot of them are junk. Yeah. You know, there was, I remember like in like, I don't know, maybe like six or seven years ago, there was a little trend where they put out like some found footage, Bigfoot movies. And they did surprisingly, there was, there ended up being like two or three that were really good, but they put out like, if you go back to like, you know, the around 2010 and on, there was like a whole bunch of them that came out like 
So if you go through the 20, you might find the two or three that were actually good. So anyways, I, yeah, like I say, I'm, I'm a sucker for Bigfoot movies, um, which actually brings me to the next movie I watched. <laughs> because I was still flipping through Amazon Prime and I was still in the movie for a Bigfoot movie. And uh, then I found another one that bragged that it had Adrian Propo in it. So I'm like, well, the last one was kind of fun. <laughs> and that's that's a weird coincidence, so I better watch very, this one too. It's a very specific genre you got going on. I know. If I'd known that there were two of these movies, I would have made a show out of it. <laughs> I would have put them on the list. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Bigfoot movies that came out in the last two years with Adrian Barbeau cameos in them. That's that's very it's, it's a perfect show idea for us. Uh, this one is called Big Legend, and it is the Rambo versus Sasquatch movie that you've always wanted. It is literally like a guy gets out of the military. He takes his girlfriend camping. He's proposing to her. She gets dragged into the woods. Um, you know, fast forward one year later, he's being released from the mental institution that he's been in ever since he started telling people that his girlfriend got killed by Bigfoot. And, uh, you know, he, he basically is saying, look, I, now I understand she was killed by a bear and I was dealing with survivor's guilt and couldn't process it. Then just as soon as they stamped the papers, letting him out, he's like, he's like, wait, survivor's guilt, but they never found a body. So am I even really a survivor? Cause we don't know if anyone died. And then he's like, Oh, he's going back into those woods and he's going to go. And basically, yeah, he goes back up to the woods, meets up with another guy who's hanging out in the woods. And the two of them are uh, tracking Bigfoot and fighting him down. And I, again, I was pleasantly surprised by how good this movie was. Again, like Rambo versus Bigfoot sounds like a movie that would appeal to me, and I don't know if that appeals to very many people. But I, I was pretty happy with the way this turned out. This one does a—they do a really good job of like shooting around the Bigfoot, so you don't see it much. Um, so there's like a scene, for example, where he's sleeping in his car, and all of a sudden, like a giant log comes crashing through one of the windows and the door gets ripped off the car and he's like shooting out at it. You don't ever see kind of what's doing it. You just kind of get flashes. And I think it's pretty well done. Um, movie maybe gets a little bit slow for a while when the, the two, he meets up with the other character and the two of them are just kind of hanging out in the woods. But uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and if you do watch this movie, you'll get to uh, get to see an interesting twist at the very end. So the guy ends up, he ends up killing the, the Bigfoot, which is not shocking. I mean, we all know he's going to end up winning the day, right? It's essentially an action movie, so you know the hero is going to win. Cut to, he wakes up in a hospital bed. And this is where we get our Lance Henriksen cameo that was coming. Uh, and Lance as it turns out, is the Sam Jackson of a new monster fighting universe that they're trying to put together. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like Lance Henriksen in a wheelchair comes out of the woods and does the whole, we're putting a team together. <laughs> and I talk to you, you about the Bigfoot initiative. It's, it is literally that moment. Um, and it's like the last thing you see is like a credits, uh, thing and it's like these two characters will return in the monster chronicles and i'm like i don't know if they will because i don't think this movie that 
seems to have been direct to Amazon Prime is necessarily going to generate the cinematic universe that you were hoping for. <laughs> but fuck, it was fucking blew my mind. I'm like, did, did they just Avengers this Bigfoot movie? <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. So I. I, I'll tell you flat out, if they ever make the Monster Chronicles, I'll be watching that. <laughs> uh, I was, again, I, I thought the movie was well made. I was just really blown away by that twist ending. And I, I feel like I shouldn't spoil it for people, but I don't know how to not tell people about that. So I've just been yeah. spoiling it for everyone who will listen. So what kind of monsters do you think they're going to fight? I mean, obviously Bigfoot. Yeah, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm My assumption would be that there'd be a Yeti in the next one. Yeah. Maybe I mean, are they going to branch out like Loch Ness or the Chupacabra or? I mean, maybe, right? Like it, it was non-specific. Yeah. But, Weird. but to, be, to be honest, like in, in some ways, this movie reminded me of like what would uh, Jack Brooke Monster Slayer would have been if yeah. it had been a serious movie as opposed to a comedy. Because it kind of has the same thing at the end where you're like, oh, turns out this was all a coming of age story. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I gotta tell you, if Adrian Barbeau is in any more Bigfoot movies, I'm gonna watch him because it turns out this is a good way for me to select movies. I like both of these. But neither of them are great high art, but they're both uh, they're both fun Bigfoot movies if, if you like that sort of thing. Weird. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, like I say, I haven't found a third one yet, so that's all I had time to watch. Well, that's it. <laughs> Just those things, yeah. Uh, Do you have a list of like twelve movies too, or I only have like three. Oh, okay, like three worth talking about. And some of them aren't even worth talking about, really. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll go ahead. So uh, I don't know if you remember, I talked about the documentary in Search of Darkness. The one that's like a four and a half hour documentary about 80s horror movies. Right. Well, it turns out that was the second one they did. And they okay. previously did one called In Search of the Last Action Heroes, which is all about 80s and 90s action movies. Oh, okay. It's only like two and a half hours. Oh, that's, that's reassuring. <laughs> um, so I watched that. It's it's fun. I think I don't think it's as good as the In Darkness one, but... I think it, since it was their first one, they were probably just trying to figure out kind of what they were doing. So they don't talk to as many people. And I think, I mean, the big problem probably is like they're talking about movies with Schwarzenegger and Stallone and Van Damme and stuff. So, you know, you're probably not going to get those guys to come in and sit down in your documentary and bullshit about action movies. No. Um, but they do talk to like Cynthia Rothrock and just some of those other like super low budget action movies. Eric Roberts is in there talking about the best of the best movies. That's awesome. Stuff like that. So, so yeah, I mean, it's fun. They kind of, they just go over eighties and nineties. It's not as thorough. It's not as good as the, uh, horror one. But I mean, if you're in a nostalgic mood, they talk about commando. They talk to Mark Lester about commando. So, I mean, all right, I'm sold. Yeah. And uh, at least in the states, you can get it on Amazon for twelve ninety nine on Blu ray. So worth a watch if you're interested. Um, and then the only one I got left that I have to get, which isn't out yet, is their 
In Search of Tomorrow, which is all about sci-fi movies. So Okay. Should be fun. It's kind of an interesting documentary series that these guys decided to do. Yeah, yeah. They talk a little bit about Robocop in here. I'm assuming in the sci-fi one they'll probably get deeper into it, but Yeah. Robocop should technically be talked about in every documentary. Oh yeah, that is true. Like yeah, remember when that dude was like dripping from the toxic waste and he exploded? <laughs> That's kind of horror. Other than the horror yeah. one. No, I, I think Robocop works on all those levels. Um, let's see. Uh, I rewatched the Jane Silent Bob reboot because Amanda hadn't seen it yet. Okay. Uh, it just came out um, digital. You know, it's still, it is what it is. I had a friend who just watched it who was a Kevin Smith fan and he thought it was completely awful, but I tried to like tell him, I'm like, you don't understand. Cause he's like, it was only in the theater, like for like a second. I'm like, you don't understand. This is not a theater movie. Like this is no. literally a movie he made for fans of Jay and Silent Bob. Like, this is I, not I, a mass market movie. I've said that to people. Like I'm like, it's, these these movies now that Kevin Smith does, his niche market is he makes it for a built-in audience. He's not trying to attract anyone new. If you're not in the audience, don't waste your time on them. Like I don't recommend the movies to people if you're not. Like if you go back to stuff like you know the original Clerks and that those original BOSQ movies, yeah. Like if even if you're not huge into them, they're still I think good movies. The stuff Kevin Smith does now, it's it's just for us. It's just like a. He's a, he makes enough money off of his movies by making exactly what he wants and just trying to please his his friends and his fans that he doesn't need to and good on him. Congratulations, you made a career you made a career out of playing with your friends. Yep. So I mean I was explaining that to, to him over dinner last night. I'm like, it's you know, it's not a movie that's made for moviegoers it's literally a movie for kevin smith fans and that's it so it doesn't have to like you know get fantastic like uh things from critics or anything i mean yeah you could still say you didn't think it was good and that's fine but saying it was only in theaters for like a split second like that doesn't mean anything for this movie that's that's not the reason it was made no and keep in mind that like you know when he tours the movie he sells out these theaters at 50 bucks a pop yeah. for a, to just to sit and do a Q&A after. It's like, he still has a crowd wherever he goes. It's, he just does things in his own way now. It's kind of neat. Yeah. Still doing what he's doing. I, I really wish that he had kind of more stuck with the, um, I'm going to make weirdo horror movies that like 12 people are going to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, like I, like I still think like Yoga Hosers was just made for him and I, I, I just I really don't know who else that movie's for. <laughs> but uh, but he's kind of derailed that and gone back towards doing sequels to all of his other stuff, which kind of bums me out. Um, I mean, I'm still going to watch them and I'm still going to probably enjoy them for what they are. As I just said, it's literally yeah, this is just a movie for me and you, and that's why I made it. Here's what Randall and uh, Dante are doing now. That's, yeah, I'm looking that's forward to it. Clerks Three. I, yeah, I think the I think the Clerks Three is going to be good. It sounds like like plot. Like I don't know if you've heard the plot. It's basically that. Can't remember. It's Randall has a heart attack, 
and wakes up and realizes he's always wanted to be a filmmaker and basically films a yeah. movie in the convenience store. So makes clerks um, and clerks, yeah. Yeah, which is it's a fun little thing, but I also think it's going to give Jeff Anderson a chance to shine, which I think he yeah. will. Because I think he, I don't think he'd be coming back if he wasn't going to. So, considering he already turned it down like once, yeah, he turned down like the and apparently the previous script is very different and much darker. So, I, the I know they've done some like public readings of the previous script, but I don't know if it's ever been released in any kind of official way. I don't know. It might be out there. I usually don't read scripts or anything so no idea it's hard to read a script and i think kevin has implied that one day they'll try to make it into like a comic or something but yeah. again they'll produce a comic that will be sold they'll sell like very few copies but he already knows like the names of three quarters of the people who are gonna buy the copies <laughs> so <laughs> since he has enough names on the pre-order list that it'll make a profit he'll be able to do it exactly um, what else did I watch? I feel like I watch a TV show. Oh, I've been watching The Outsider. I don't know if anybody else is. Yeah. Catching I'm it. hearing very mixed things about that show. Like some people are saying it's great, and some people are saying it's terrible. Oh. I haven't heard anybody say anything in the middle. So, see, I've only ever heard the good things, and uh, I would be one okay. of the people who would say good things. It's really good. Um, the biggest problem, specifically for me is that I read the book, and I loved the book. Um, it's probably, like, the best Stephen King book in the past 15 years or so. And so okay. when I'm watching it, there's no suspense for me. Like, I know where everything's going, and it's very faithful to the book. So for me, I'm just kind of like, yeah, 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 I know where this is going. But I'm loving watching it and seeing it unfold and unfold in the way that it does, so... Okay. So I would say worth a watch. I'm enjoying it. Uh, for people who don't know what it's about, super quick synopsis is, uh, so there's a uh, child murder in this small town, and there is irrefutable proof that this one guy did it. I'm talking like DNA, fingerprints, uh, eyewitnesses that saw you know, the guy with the kid like right before it happened, and like camera footage that they were able to track him through town and where he was and all this stuff. Um, so then they arrest him and quickly they find out there's also irrefutable proof that he wasn't even in town when it happened. So like, what the fuck do you do at that point? So it's great. Like I'm, I'm having a great, great time watching it. And, uh, anybody hasn't read any Stephen King in a while I would very very much recommend The Outsider it was a fantastic book um, a friend of mine who hadn't read him in a while told him you should read this and he read it and he's like yeah I couldn't put it down like this was one of the best King books I've read in like forever so That's definitely good. worth a watch or a read here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future Doug, you want to tell us what we're doing next week? Uh, yeah, next week. I thought it was uh, time to get back to some horror movies. Maybe visit, revisit a, a horror icon of sorts. Okay. So we're finally going to do our Tom Hanks episode. Ooh. Uh, he Knows You're Alone. 
and the burbs. Good choices. Yeah. So, again, horror icon Tom Hanks in two of his darkest roles, I would say. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen He Knows You're Alone, so I'm not even sure how much Tom Hanks is in it. I just know he's he's known. It's it's famously known as one of his early roles. And, of course, The Burbs is a classic, he, which I haven't seen in a while. So He plays one of the main characters' uh, boyfriend who is a psych major in college and – he has all the personality of a psych major in college. <laughs> uh, that's not a compliment, is it? <laughs> it is not. But this will be another uh, challenge like we did with Mazes of Monsters to see, like, how much better of an actor is Tom Hanks than all these other people, even in one of his early movies. Oh, no, you guys are mistaken. I'm not uh, saying he's bad. I'm saying <laughs> he's he's good. But no, no, if you've ever known a psych major in college, they're terrible. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I totally, oh, yeah, I totally I, get it. I just want to see how bad everybody else is. Like, is Tom Hanks going to out, out act like everybody again, like he did in Mazes of Monsters? Find out. We'll see. Yeah, because I still remember being shocked when I watched Mazes and Monsters. Like, <laughs> oh, he could act way back then, eh? <laughs> it's one of those weird things where it's almost... It's weird how Tom Hanks' career has taken him through these, like, stages where he was like this character actor and then he became this comedic actor and then he became this leading man and it's like apparently you have to be really good to do all those different things <laughs> so weird yeah and i'm super excited to watch the burbs i haven't watched the burbs in a long time yeah me neither i remember i watched it once like i'm trying to think, like we're talking 15 years ago and I remember like thinking oh this will be dumb but I should watch it because it'll, it'll be funny to watch that movie I used to like when I was a kid and then when I watched it I'm like oh no it's really good so and of course that's Corey Feldman and so we'll inevitably go off on a tangent about that Corey Feldman and uh, Bruce Dern Bruce, oh, Bruce Dern's in it I don't remember that Right. Yeah, he's like the, the military guy that lives in the neighborhood. Oh, okay. Um, Anyways, I think, yeah. I think this is a good excuse. I may uh, pick up the new Blu-ray that just came out. Not too yeah. Hopefully it can be delivered in the next uh, four to five days so that you can uh, get it watched in time. Oh, yeah. Amazon Prime, baby. Two-day two day shipping. I'll have it by Sunday. All so, right. Good stuff. Yeah. Did we save anything to talk about on the way out so that we don't have one of these awkward endings where we have nothing to talk about? Or Well, let me check the checklist. Uh, see, I already talked about Marace's dad. Uh, now I talked about his job at work. You talked about moving your desk. There's a headline here that says Jake Lloyd's family releases a statement about Star Wars actors' mental health struggles, but whoever wrote the headline puts struggles in quotation marks, which I think is inherently offensive because I'm pretty sure <laughs> that Jake Lloyd is still in a mental institution from like several years ago when he got arrested. And that counts as a real struggle. I don't think that belongs in quotation marks. That reporter's so. a dick. Yeah, I'm mad at whoever at Yahoo Movies decided to make that headline. <laughs> as soon as we sign off, I'm going to read this, and I'll apologize next week if the word struggles does belong in quotation marks. But it's especially disappointing from a very prestigious outlet like Yahoo News. 
Hey, yeah. it's, it's it's classy, man. It's Yahoo Movies UK. Did anybody uh, see the pictures of the kid from Mighty Ducks got arrested again? Oh, he looked rough. They all hopped up on meth. Yeah, yeah. It's not, not even funny. That's just sad. No, it is sad. Like I see it, and I'm just like, holy shit, that dude's a year older than me. Like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I, this is controversial, but I, I think people shouldn't do meth. What? That's gonna be my stance. That's my stance. You know, it's just how I feel. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm sure, we're gonna get all like listener mail next week from the one person who's like, "Hey, fuck you! I can do meth if I want." It's <laughs> my, it's my right as an American to do meth if I feel like it. Yeah. So calm down, Ken. Good times. All right. Hey, kill me, motherfuckers. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.